welcome you to today's segment of Red River Rising. Today we're discussing, are you a contagion? Specifically, we're going to be talking from First and Second Samuel, where David fought giants. So take a listen, and we hope you're blessed. So, Mike, I understand when I sent this lesson plan to you, you thought it was a typo. Yeah, I said a contagion. Contagion sounded like some kind of food dish that I would eat down south, like in New Orleans or something. You know, I said, said, surely he must mean contagious, but uh, that must not be right, huh? Well, it's kind of the noun form of being contagious. Contagion is something that can spread rapidly. We normally associate it with a negative connotation, you know, like a, a disease or something. But, you know, you've heard contagious laughter. Yep. So there's a positive, uh, you know, it could be either positive or negative, but we usually associate it with a negative, uh, you know, with sickness and disease. Yeah. Um, but the definition is an influence that spreads rapidly or uh, ready transmission of an idea or emotion from person to person. So, you know, you could have contagious patriotism. Mm-hmm. You can have contagious laughter. Yeah. Contagious courage. And what we're going to look at specifically with this message today is contagious faith. Oh, it's good. It's good. And so we're going to read in first and second Samuel, we're going to read various passages and, you know, we could either, we can either, uh, be a contagion of fear or of faith. And we're going to see the difference of how, if you operate in fear, how that impacts your situation versus faith. Absolutely. Cause it is a choice, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Well, good. Well, good. Well, let's get started then, Rick. Okay. Uh, we're going to start in First Samuel 17, verses 4 through 7, and it reads, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. And now that's almost ten feet tall. A tall dude. Yeah, and the, and the people back then, we're talking, what, uh, 3,000 years ago? Mm-hmm. Um, they were only, you know, maybe five feet, maybe a little bit taller. Mm-hmm. So this guy, so my height is what you're trying to say. Is that what, okay? Yeah. All right. I got that. I got that. Go ahead. Continue so, on, man. So Goliath was almost two, two times taller right. than the average person. Um, he had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. Now 5,000 shekels, just his coat of armor that he wore weighed 125 pounds. Wow. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. And his iron point weighed 600 shekels. So the point of his spear weighed 15 pounds. Just the point. Just the, yeah, the metal tip of his spear. That's something. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So obviously, you know, it's obvious to see that Goliath was a formidable enemy. Yeah, he had to be physically fit. Not only was he just tall, I mean, he had to be very muscular to be able to to carry all this around Mm -hmm. and uh, be able to wield it you know, in, in such a manner to make it effective as well. So, yeah. So he, uh, this enemy looked very formidable and instilled, instilled fear in his enemies. Yeah. And, you know, like Goliath, many of our problems look, um, formidable and unconquerable to us. Sure. You know how we just see this problem that's in our life or our circumstances that we're facing. And it just seems like an insurmountable mountain, yeah. you know, but the thing is, you know, once we live through it, and we see that the Lord can deliver us through it. We look back and we go, well, that wasn't so bad. You know, sometimes it comes across too. Uh, you ever heard the expression shell shock? Mm-hmm. You know, something first gets presented and you're like, oh, you know, I yeah. can see where this guy just all of a sudden comes over the mountain 
crest, right, and stands yeah. up on the top, and you look at him, and it's just like, oh, man, well, you know, it's the same thing in life. Sometimes that happens, too. When something comes up, the first impression is shell-shocked to that. Yeah. But if we'll sit back a little bit, we'll explain here, I guess, uh, how we can uh, deal with that. Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, I think that's where we get the expression, you know, make a mountain out of a molehill. Right. A lot of times we'll just, from that shell shock, we'll just overreact and, and we'll just say, oh, you know, there's no way I can overcome this. That's it. You know? Yeah. Make a knee jerk reaction. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, and in doing that, what are we doing? We're letting fear mm-hmm. dominate. That's our motivation then. Yeah. yeah. Our whole mindset is, is fear based. Uh, so continuing on in verse 8 through 11, it says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all of Israel, of the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Mm-hmm. So it says, Saul and all the Israelites were terrified. So fear just ran through the whole ranks. Yeah, that's exactly right. Of course, it normally starts at the, starts at the top anyway and goes down, right? So mm-hmm. you're looking at Saul, who's the king. He starts trembling, a little shaking in the knees. It's very easy for his generals to have the same concept, but yeah, yeah, it runs I mean, all the way through. Just imagine if Saul demonstrated courage, right? Um, you know, then then his generals would have said, "Well, you know, if the king's not scared, mm-hmm. you know, why should we be? You know, we've got to set the same example in front of the other soldiers." That's right. But instead, when they looked at Saul, it, you know, it says Saul and. The Israelites. So Saul was filled with dismay and, and, and was terrified. I think, go ahead. I think that's why it's imperative that we know our enemy too. Um, even, you know, he knew what he was going up. Now he may not have known Goliath. I don't know, but, but he knew who he was going up against anyway. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it's good to know your enemy. So that way when your enemy presents itself, you don't have that moment of that. You can mm-hmm. actually be prepared for saying, yeah. Hey, you know. And he should have known his enemy because Israel has been fighting the Philistines for, yeah. for years exactly at this right. point. That's exactly right. Um, so fear ran rapid. You know, Saul feared, his generals feared, his leaders feared, and then, you know, it just worked its way through the entire ranks. Sounds like a common cold kind of spreading from one to the other there, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, it kind of reminds me, I'm sure everybody's familiar with that movie Braveheart. Oh yeah, where they're you know the the Scottish army is facing the English army, mm-hmm. and there's fear and doubt in the ranks. Right, and then along comes uh, William Wallace. Mm-hmm. Of course, in the movie they have them all painted up That's and everything, right, which yeah. wasn't I don't think was historically accurate, <laughs> but it, did, it was great optics. And you know he's riding up and down the line, mm-hmm. you know speaking courage and you know better to die free than live a slave and all this other stuff and. Just rouse the army to a great victory that day. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Saul had the opportunity to do something like that, right? But fear prevailed in him. So, what that did was just reinforce the fear that were, was in his army. That's exactly right. Another interesting thing in this passage is um, Goliath steps out and starts making all the rules. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't. I know that. In ancient times, sometimes they did have champions fight. Instead of have the whole armies go at each other, they would pick a champion. Mm-hmm. 
and whoever won the bout, you know, that side won the battle. Mm-hmm. But I have never seen in the history of Israel in the Bible where they fought that way. Right. So why all of a sudden are we letting the Philistines make the rules? Right. You know, why are we letting this um, godless, uncircumcised enemy mm-hmm. step out and set the ground rules? You That's know? a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. And so a lot of times I think in our lives we let the devil set the rules, you know. Oh, you know, you 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 can't amount to this, or you know, you don't have the talent for that, and you can't serve God. What do you have to offer? You know, we listen to this, the devil set the ground rules in our life that we live by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, man. Very good point. And you know, so the the question is, if they never, if Israel never fought in that manner before, why did they, you know, bow down to these rules just because Goliath stepped forth? You know, and declared it. Um, you know, they had archers, they had slingers. They could have pelted him down, and you know, they could have overwhelmed him with arrows and pelts, um, little stones from their uh, slings, mm-hmm. in a matter of minutes. Well, I think you kind of touched on this a little bit ago when you talked about that expression, "a mountain out of a molehill." Perception comes into play more than anything else when this, you know, comes up. Same thing with the devil. It's your perception of what you, uh, or what you believe then, right? Because if we see something and we take, uh, take it for face value and say, all right, so this is the way it is. And that's the way the world looks at it. That's how the natural, uh, man looks at things and says, okay, well, Goliath is bigger than I am. He's stronger than I am. He must be able to defeat me with that. But as Christians, you know, that the Bible tells us in, 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 in Hebrews not to look at what we see. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So we should already know who we are before we even get into a battle. And this is where Saul failed. Of course, Saul failed a lot. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, anyway. Yep. Yeah, and I think the Israelites got narrow-minded. You ever, like, have a problem and you're just focused on the narrowness of that problem? And sure. then someone comes along and goes, well, why don't you do, do this than this? And you're like... Yeah, that makes sense. Why didn't yeah. I think of that? Absolutely. Well, you didn't step back and look at the big picture, right. you know. Uh, it reminds me of uh, a, uh, a pastor I had in California. And at the time, it was about a, a small church, 100, 150 people. And the church rented office suites in this professional building. Mm-hmm. And in a part of the professional building, they had an underground garage. And he was down there one day, and he was just walking around praying and just trying to figure out if there was a way he could use that space because nobody parked in it, mm-hmm. you know, use it for the ministry. And um, it was late in the afternoon, and he had noticed that they closed the, you know, they had like the accordion gate. Right. So they closed the gate and locked it, <laughs> and um, and he was he was stuck inside. And he's like frantic. Oh no, I'm going to be stuck here till morning. And my wife's going to worry. I'm not going to show up. Nobody knows where I'm at. And he's yelling for help and there's no one around. And after a while he realizes I'm skinny enough to fit through the bars. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, he was so focused on the problem. He didn't step back and look at the big picture. And I think that's what we do a lot. And I think that's kind of what the Israelites did here. They were just focused on how big Goliath was and, Individually, they couldn't defeat him, but they didn't have to fight him individually. Right. You know, traditionally, they fought as an army. Right. So they could have just pelted him with arrows and said, you know, forget you, and then yep. do their charge and, yep. and fight him the way they normally fight him. Mm-hmm. 
So, but like you said, not a soul in Israel in the Israeli army thought that Goliath could be defeated, and so none of the soldiers dared to believe, and fear infested the camp. So none of them would step up personally to fight the giant. And so if we jump up to verse 34 through 37, it says, this is where David comes on the scene. Okay. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So now here we have a person speaking in faith. Yep. He doesn't care how big and terrible and ferocious his circumstances are. Mm-hmm. He's got faith in God. And, you know, let me tell you, I don't think any of the other soldiers there probably took on a lion or a bear, even, you know, even as a grown adult, let alone a a youth. Right. But David did. You know, he, as a youth, he had such faith in God that he had, he challenged a bear and a lion and and prevailed. Mm -hmm. So he had that experience. He had that faith that God, you know, of God's protection through, you know, initially it was through faith, but, but now it's faith plus experience, Mm -hmm. reassurance. And so when he faced this bigger challenge, he, you know, he didn't waver. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to add to that. That's exactly right. I mean, knowing that he's been through it before, but I, you know, also take the point, each one of these is a different type of foe. It presents itself differently. Um, they were all in attack against him, a lion, a bear, and Goliath, mm-hmm. but all of them were still in attack. And uh, as you went through one to the next to the next, and then ultimately uh, to Goliath here, you're right. Uh, prevailing once, and, and it's it's something that he remembered that, and that's what he went back to, and that's what he called out on that. Is mm-hmm. I remember, I remember, and often we'll get in that moment of fear and fright, and not think back to how many times has the Lord delivered us in mm-hmm. the past. It's good yeah. to take that time and reflection, and if we were worshiping, then uh, we would actually stop that fear by praising God just alone. That would, that would stop fear in its track, and as we start praising Him. And I believe praying in tongues with that, uh, the Spirit would bring back up into remembrance for us times when God has come through for us to build us up in that moment, too. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yep. And <clears throat> another interesting thing is, so he had to fight a lion, and that wasn't the end of his battles. Right. He, later, he had to fight a bear. That wasn't the end of his battles. Yeah. Then he had to fight, you know, Goliath. And as we, you know, read on about David's life, he had multiple battles mm-hmm. and wars he had to fight sure so you know we live in a fallen world mm-hmm. you know you may, may not be in a military battle right. but you're going to have battles yeah. you're going to be fighting negative circumstances and i don't think god necessarily brings those negative circumstances our way um our own choices do the fallen world we live in do right but god brings us through each one of them victoriously mm-hmm. And as a result, we learn how faithful he is and how almighty he is. That's right. Yep. I agree with you. Um, so we continue on in verse 40 through 44, and we see uh, how David acted. See, in, in the previous verses, he was speaking faith. Okay. Now he put him, um, he's going to put him into action. 
Well, I'll tell you what, Rick, that's a perfect place then for us to cut it off for today and then pick back up next week, man. I'm excited about it. Uh, we're looking at, the, you know, it's a really well-known story in the Bible, but um, like most things, we, we, we tend to out of sight, out of mind. So I'm glad we're picking this up and look forward to next time we get together to get back into it. But until then, I'm Pastor Mike, and uh, along with me is my brother Rick. Yeah, and uh, we want you to remember that... Uh... It's always better to be a contagion of faith, no matter what your circumstances are. And until next time, continue to prepare your heart for the coming revival. Amen.